The answer to the majority of problems in the body of Christ can be found in one area, recognizing who we are in Christ. This is vastly important. Once that knowledge is gained and we have it inside of us and we, have the, we, we, we start to understand it. Now, here, here's what happens. We hear terms. We allow those terms that we hear to become familiar. Familiarity brings contempt. We get too familiar with the term. We don't know what the term means. We just know the term. So we know the term body of Christ. But we don't know what that means, but we know the term. So we continue to follow just the term. I want you to get beyond the term, beyond the terminology of who we are in Christ to really know who we are in Christ. We live in a distinct period of time. It's called the dispensation of grace. It's unique to us. I understand, you know, people are going to say, well, grace was exhibited in the Old Covenant. That's true, but they weren't living under the spout. Okay, the grace today is like the sunshine. You can feel the sunshine. You step out in the sun, you can feel it. Well, God's grace is just as abundant and just as much present as the sunshine is. You can't stop the sun, and you can't stop God's grace. We live in this period that's designated by God himself as a period of grace. Here's another thing that we have to get beyond is the title of grace. We've become familiar with it. It's just a word. We don't understand what it really means to its depth. What does grace of God really mean? There's going to come a time in eternity that because we were involved because we became a part of, because we accepted Jesus as God presented him, because we did this, we're special. We've been set aside. It's called the body of Christ. This is a very special period of time. God has allowed the dispensation of grace to be in effect for 2,000 years. It may go a little longer, we don't know. If it does, praise God. If it doesn't, praise God. Amen. Here's what's gonna happen. The moment that the dispensation of grace ends, nobody else gets in the body of Christ. So if you want people in, you better be getting them in now while grace is available because grace is going to stop. Grace is a part of God. It's a part of God's total makeup. Did you know our God encompasses the universe? He's above it, he's beneath it, he surrounds it, and he fills the inside of it. That's our God. You gotta start thinking big for our God. Our God is a huge God. Oh yes, he's an awesome God. But you don't have to start raising your sights when you start talking about God. The God that we served demands a greater honor, a greater respect because of who he is. Now, once we decide who he is, now we can look at what he's done and what he's doing. Listen, don't try to match wits with God. If you want to really get in some uh, understanding, go over to read Job. Job was the first book ever written. Job was a contemporary of Abraham. And Job has some real insight on things about God. 
And he asks you, you know, where were you when God did this? God did all these things. You know, the earth and the fullness thereof belongs to God, and you know why he did it? Why did God create the earth? Because he didn't have anything to do? No, he had a direct reason for creating the earth. It was a place for his people, God's people, to be here, to be on. The grace of Almighty God is where you and I live. Everything you and I have or ever will have is due to the grace of Almighty God. Now, we have to be very careful in the grace period that we do not fool around like the Galatians and have somebody say to us, Oh, foolish, who has bewitched you and talked you into something? So I want to know most of the time where uh, persons are ministering from. There's lots of good texts. There's lots of good ministry. I have to, myself, I protect myself from things like, and I use this as an example, but I had this a long time ago given to me, where the apostle, I mean, where David was praying and he was asking God uh, to turn the light, God's light on and search his spirit and see if there's any wicked way. Remember, turn on your spirit and see if there's any wicked way in me. Well, the church that I was attending at that time, that was a probably uh, every quarter message. Once a quarter, you're going to get that message. But the only problem is it is it's not the truth. And nobody seemed to understand what the truth was. Did you know that you're violating the Word of God if you expect God to turn on His searchlight and search out your spirit because it shows that you don't know anything about your own spirit. You don't know what happened to you when you got saved. People that don't know what happened to them when they got saved are in bad trouble. When you got saved, it was a completed work It's something that God began in you, and He will finish it, He says. It will be accomplished. His work in you will be accomplished. And your spirit is sealed until the day, and the Holy Spirit in there is not coming and going, and God doesn't get mad with you every time you do something wrong. Did you know that? I'll put it this way. I'll go so strong as to say, there is nothing you can do to make God mad at you. It's impossible. You can't make God mad at you. Well, that eliminates a whole lot of preaching. But that's for you to discern. That's for you to decide. What you need to start putting attention on is the grace of Almighty God. And the gospel pertaining to the grace. I'm going to read this to you. Ephesians, the second chapter, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, mm -mm -mm, for His great love wherein He loved us. That one verse eliminates whether God loves you or not. I know God loves me. He doesn't have to tell me every day. But you don't have to remind God, but I do because it helps me. See, these things that we do to release our praise to God, it's not that God is a praise hog and He wants praise. He set this system up for our benefit. Why do you think uh, in in this period of grace, 
Why do you think that the scripture says, as you sow, you shall reap? Do you think God needs the crop? Who does? We don't really believe this. If we did, there wouldn't anybody have to encourage you to be a giver because you had already figured it out that my uh, reaping is based upon my sowing. It's not based upon your praying. See, a lot of folks believe that, you know, they can be tight-fisted and pray and something will come their way. No, 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 that's not how it works at all. Do you understand where this is found? What is it, Second Corinthians 6 chapter? Ninth chapter. Ninth chapter, sixth verse. What does he say? According to how a man sows is according to how a man reaps. I didn't write it. It wasn't my idea. I like it. I had to get over the hump just like everybody else. Because, see, I was taught that uh, I tithed under the law. What I gave was under the law because I had been told that God will get his. And if you didn't obey and you were a God robber, and if you didn't tithe, then your refrigerator would blow up. Or your car wouldn't start. Or a multitude of things that could go wrong. And you could blame God for it. Then God, in turn, would point his finger right back at you and say, you didn't do your part. Well, that's all law and that's all foolishness. Because that's not how it works anyway. It's never mentioned. Malachi is not for the body of Christ. We do not tithe under the law. I tithe because I love God. And I found out a whole big secret 40 years ago that you cannot outgive God. And you, if you, if you, if you stay with God very long, you'll find out you can't trick him into beholding to you. You know what I mean by that? God won't owe you nothing. God pays. God keeps the slate clean. He simply says, he that which soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. That's all it took for me. I'm responsible. Now I've got to find out what does he mean by sowing? Where did I sow? Given to the guy standing on the corner down there has a sign, we'll work for food or, or whatever. And that's not good ground to sow in. So you have to put this on a farmer's perspective. The farmer sows his best crop in his best ground. And he's continually trying to cultivate and, and get better ground. Well, finding good ground in this church is not hard to do. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are we saved. And hath raised us up together. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward the body of Christ in Christ Jesus. That's our future. God is going to use us as a major example before everybody else.
All those who have died in the kingdom gospel, all those who are part of the kingdom, all everybody except those who are in this period of time, 2,000 years, in the, in the dispensation of grace, we're special people. I've been telling you this. I want you to recognize a special part that we play in God's economy, the special part that we're going to play throughout eternity. It's not by accident that we're here. We were in the mind of God before the foundation of the world, and that mystery was revealed to the Apostle Paul so that we can understand it, and that's why we should pay attention when we're studying, praying in other tongues, allowing the Holy Ghost to reveal to us these truths that we have. 